You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message to listen to the latest stories and to leave a comment. Well, he's in the studio and ready and raring to go. The old basketball player and coach. Here he is, Bobby Knight. <laughs> good morning, Zeb. Hello, Ken. I'm doing good. Yeah, that's uh, this basketball season is kind of fun. Uh, coaching my two grandsons. It's hard to believe it's already basketball season. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and yet we're still finishing up football. Yep. In fact, this Friday night, our Declo boys are playing for the state championship over in Pocatello. They have a wonderful team uh i've enjoyed watching them on occasion excellent teamwork and i wish them well yeah well they won state last year and yep. and yep. they've got the talent to do it again this and year. my grandson and kimberly they went out of the tournament this last weekend oh dear yep. well anyway so before we start i want to put a shout out to some of our listeners that have uh emailed me stan there's a, uh, one guy, Stan, uh, there's a couple of them, but one of them has listened to every single story, and he sits in his tractor uh, doing a little bit of tractor work and listens to the stories. But And then there's Austin, who's a faithful listener, Sam, Cameron, another guy named Blaine. I want to thank you guys for listening and for your comments that I get uh, on emails. How much did you have to pay these people? Oh, quite a bit. I see. Yeah, yeah. So Knowing you, it wasn't quite a bit. <laughs> no, you know how cheap I am. Yeah. What are we going to talk we're, about today? We're going to talk about Chief Buffalo Horn. Have oh. you ever have you ever heard of Chief Buffalo Horn? I've got to say I did not uh, until No, he's not I, in the top 10 names no, that I know. No. But uh he played a big part of the history of this area right here. Right, here, al- really? right right along the Snake River over towards the Owyhee area. Was he a social bannock? Uh he was a bannock. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. So to start off, I need to start off with uh, explain to people what the camas root is. Okay. Okay, the camas root is something that is used, and I'll get into this later, but uh, it was really necessary for the Indians. And so the, the camas root and a mistake made by an, a clerk in drawing up a treaty is what led to uh, one of the, could have been one of the bloodiest wars in southeastern Idaho. You don't mean to tell me that somebody working for the government made, made a mistake. A, one letter, and you'll see. One letter? I'll, you'll wow. see what I'm talking about. Okay. So it started in 1867, uh, which is when the U.S. Congress decided that all the Western Indians were to be put on reservations to be set aside for that purpose uh, by the government. And, of course, a bunch of treaties were made with uh, all the different tribes. Unfortunately, in some instances, the, quote, Great White Father... Uh, on one idea or another, they uh, or maybe political pressure or whatever, they eventually nullified or ignored the original agreements, the original treaties, and time and time again, you know, that happened. So, you know, oddly enough, excuse me, oddly enough, the original treaty with the Bannocks, now the Bannocks, Zeb, is a branch of the Great Shoshone or 
Snake tribes. So they're a branch of the Shoshone. Okay. Where was the origination point for the basic headquarters of the tribe? Was it up in eastern Idaho, or are you talking further down uh, here? I, really, or? it's a big area. I see. I mean, it's, okay. it covers several states, really. I mean, it, it actually includes Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, Nevada, oh California, and southern Idaho. I didn't know that. So it, they had a huge area. Uh-huh. But anyway... Uh, and as far as treaties went, the f- treaty that they got was really quite generous. Now, again, contrary to the usual procedure at that time of allotting the Indians land that for some reason or another was not desirable, uh, this large area actually included some very desirable land. And, for example, the bottom land over by Fort Hall. Really? which Yeah. And as you look at that now, the thousands of acres that's being yeah. farmed, yeah. really uh, a nice area. But the story goes that in preparation for the treaty, the Idaho territorial government governor accompanied the survey party planning and plotting out the boundaries for this reservation. Was he over in the Boise area yeah. at that time? Yeah, he, he was, was the territorial governor. Okay, for some reason I was going to say that they had something over in eastern Idaho. Uh, no, this oh. this one was this okay. area here. All right, thank but you. But what he did was with the survey guys, he said, now, boys, he said, survey a good-sized reservation around here for these Indians. Okay. That was his, his point. Did they have a land mass? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get confusing, though. That, oh. So I'm going to, I'll tell you. But, but the result was that the area included a lot more than the Bannocks had thought they were going to get. Oh. But, That's one of the few treaties yeah, like that. Exactly. But there were two unforeseen circumstances, however, that was to affect the tribe, which, again, was the subdivision of the Shoshone family, which actually was the third largest group in the United States. Incidentally, this tribe, now, this is just kind of a by note, uh, the tribe received its name from the manner in which they wore their hair. The, the Bannocks? Bannocks? The Bannocks. And the Shoshone term is as Bampnak. That's the Shoshone term, and it means to throw backward, which refers to the lock of hair that they had on their forehead that they threw back over their head. Oh. So the Bannock name actually means to throw back. So kind of like the way Elvis Presley wore his. Well, not quite. They didn't have as much. Okay. So anyway, after signing the treaty, the first kind of disappointment uh, was the unexpected migration to the area of a band of, of cousin Shoshone from Wyoming. Now, the Bannocks were kind of a nomadic group of Indians, and for some reason or other, uh, were never present on the reservation when supplies were handed out by the government agents. So the result was their Shoshone relatives always got more than their share of the supplies. Now, not thinking that this could be their own fault, the the Bannocks kind of got a little upset about this situation. And the great trouble, however, came with a clerical error in the treaty. This is where I'm gonna. This is where it gets really tricky. You're trying to tell me not to interrupt. Don't interrupt. <laughs> so some illiterate clerk or careless official in preparing the treaty context used the word Kansas Prairie instead of the obvious intended word Camas Prairie. Kansas. So Zeb, how far is it from the Kansas territory to here? Right here, it's about uh, probably miles, right up. No, it's nine, probably about nine hundred and fifty miles. Okay, probably, so yeah. obviously he made a kind of a bad mistake. Bad mistake. Yeah. And uh, for the listeners, folks, we are probably what fifty, sixty miles from that Camas Prairie. 
yeah. where we're sitting right here in yeah. southern Idaho. Yeah. Maybe not that far. So it's, it's a beautiful area. It really is. Anyway, the chiefs signed in the treaty, and the government agents did not catch the error. Uh, outlined, they didn't see they it? They didn't see it. Outlining the area given by the Indians. Uh, the document said in part, quote, the reservation shall embrace reasonable portions of the Portneuf and the Kansas Prairie. Oh, And my. obviously, from a geographic standpoint, it was so obviously an error, it's amazing that it became such an issue. But it did. And for generations, the camas root, as I mentioned, had been a staple food of the Indians. And each year, the tribes had gathered at various areas in what is now Idaho to dig for this root. And in southern Idaho, right where we are, uh, was a wide area of land near the present town of Fairfield, and you know where that is, yeah. just north of us, a few miles. So at that juncture, couldn't the Shoshone Bannocks or the Bannocks, couldn't they have gone back to Kansas and said, you're out of here, guys, this <laughs> is ours? They, but this was their land. This is what they understood. And that's what the government understood. Wow. For a point, until they read this Kansas thing. Anyway, uh, for generations, the Bannocks had moved into this area to dig uh, the Camas root, you know, and uh, it had a lot of uses. It was dried. It was pounded between uh, rocks into a meal from which the Indians made a kind of a bread. Uh, as buffalo was scarce and small game not all that plentiful, uh, this became the Bannocks' main food supply. So it was a very, very critical, important area. Holy cow. So anyway, uh, now is an obvious area error in the treaty, uh, so it led to a war. The Indians were kind of ticked off on being denied the right to the food supply in the Camas area, and this was made worse when white settlers were allowed to turn their hogs loose over in search of the Camas route and the, allow the cattle to graze in that whole area. Well, did the Indians have a interpreter or anything that found the mistake and said they can use this, they can go here? You know, How was the mistake found? I- you know, I really don't know, because as it went on, the Indians just basically got mad and said, we're going on the warpath. Well, so, I don't blame them. Right. So, well, and then the tension increased with the killing of some settlers, followed by the arrest of some of the Bannocks that were accused of the crime. Now, the leader of the revolt was Chief Buffalo Horn. Huh. Now, this guy is described as being intelligent, an aggressive commander, and what is really odd, Zeb, is strangely, the year before, in 1877, he had been a loyal scout for General Howard and General Miles in the Nez Perce War. So he was a well-thought-of individual. But the Bannock chief had turned against the whites, and he devised a plan for uniting various other tribes in the Northwest that, had it succeeded, would have made quite a bloodbath and a horrible, uh, a lot of death at that point. But all the Bannocks did not follow the war chief. Some returned to Fort Hall Reservation uh, in peace, but enough warriors followed the chief that Idaho and Oregon kind of felt the ravages of this conflict. And settlements were attacked by the raiders, supplies stolen, buildings burned, many were killed. Buffalo Horn attempted to get the Paiutes, the Umatillas, and the Cayuses on the warpath for a common goal, and that was to drive the whites out. But the threat was so serious that General Howard, uh, he was over in Oregon uh, after the Nez Perce War, he was called back into action. So Howard's mobilization of troops basically saved the Northwest. But really, it was the soldiers out of Fort Boise that were dispatched to stop Buffalo Horn. And the fighting took place just west of us here, a place called King Hill and Glens Ferry. You know where that is. And other points up and down the Snake River. So it was right not very far from where we're at. 
I guess my question's probably overextended here into your time, but I've got to ask this. Who found out that the Indians were getting shortchanged on this, and where was the problem uh, found out on the American side? I mean, somebody had to say, oops. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know, but, wow. the, but there was a battle going to happen. So anyway, this Captain Bernard out of Fort Boise led a bunch of volunteers, and Buffalo Horn was now in Owyhee County, which is southwest of us, right yeah. over here. Yeah. So anyway, a delegation of volunteers left Silver City to try to stop the chief, and what actually happened is not really clear. But I'm gonna. There's a rest of the story to this. Zeb. Oh, look out! <laughs> so, we have a Saturday morning cereal. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it's known that the whites were outnumbered at least five to one by the Indians, and when the volunteers reached uh, the the Indians, a vicious battle resulted, and this small detach, detachment from Silver City escaped, complete annihilation. Uh, and how they did it, they don't know. But it's believed that the spirit of the Bannocks completely collapsed when Chief Buffalo Horn was killed in battle. And you know that happened quite often. If the chief got killed... Down they go, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway... Uh, and this was over by Glens Ferry. Right. Okay. Yeah. But the dream this Bannock chief had for a general uprising of the Northwest in his Peruil died when he died. And ironically, the entire bloody incident could have been taken care of if they'd have just corrected that error. Well, I keep going back to this, but how did anyone, without checking it, and it must have been laying there dormant for a long time, how did anyone find it and possibly stop the war? Why didn't they? I just I can't the, buy that. That's the unanswered question. I think the war started. And the Indians knew more than the... Yeah, they did. So here's the rest of the story. Zeb. Oh, here we go. The death of Chief Buffalo Horn. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is a totally different article, but this there's a guy named A.C. Schaefer. And he, this is his account, so I'm going to be using his words. He said, I would like to recount a story I heard around the campfire many years ago. He said, in 1925, I went to work on a Central Oregon cattle ranch for a guy named Mike Mayfield. Well, he says, one night, Mike rode into camp and shared my supper. And he says, Mike and I started talking about the Indians. And it was then he told me for the first time his version of how Chief Buffalo Horn was killed. Now, this is in 1925. Right. So roughly about 50 years later. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. So here's what this guy, this Mike Mayfield said. He's quote, the Indians gave us a rough time of it in 1878 and 1879 in what was called the Bannock and the Paiute War. That's what the battle we're talking about and at the main at that time chief buffalo horn was the main chief he goes on he says i was just a boy and had come over from jacksonville oregon and he said miners had killed most of the game in the southern oregon valleys uh, but on the desert east of the cascade mountains there were a lot of deer antelope bighorn sheep and elk uh, were plentiful and one only needed to go a mile out of camp and shoot something for supper and he said, I worked at the cutting tables that they had set up and prepared the meat for drying. This is for the miners. Right. Okay. Right. So he says, early in 1878, I met a man named Foster who had established the Double O Ranch. He offered me a job with his horse herd, and I gladly accepted. Everything was running along quite smoothly until one morning, Mr. Foster rushed into the cabin as they were finishing breakfast, and he yelled, boys, grab your guns and knives, uh, get your horses, uh, the Indians are coming. Okay, 
He says, as I mounted my horse, I saw Mr. Foster lead out our most gentle horse for the Chinese cook and helped him get properly mounted. He says, we started out and I heard Mr. Foster shout, it's too late to make it to the old fort, boys. We'll cross at the new one. The Indians didn't know we had built it and it was that new ford which saved us. Now, he continues, I was loping along in the lead of the cowboys when I heard a yell, shouts. Looking back, I saw that the cook had fallen off of his horse. So he wasn't really an accomplished horseman. (laughs) The cook. The cook. (laughs) The Chinese cook. About that time, a bullet from one of the Indian rifles dropped one of the uh, cowboys' horses. Uh Well, the poor Chinaman, instead of getting back on his horse, he panicked and crawled into a little cave. Uh Now, so you... Picture this, Eb. You got this Chinese cook hiding in a little cave. You got a cowboy down because his horse is dead. Right. So the unhorsed cowboy, quote, seeing the cook's mount uh, straying loose, made a dash for it and hastily mounted and spurred toward us at a gallop. Meanwhile, the Indians came up at full speed, but two of them in the lead dropped from their ponies and rushed to the little cave. Even though the cowboys were shooting at the Indians, he says, I saw them drag out our cook and they didn't have a chance to save him. Oh, they killed the cook? They killed the cook. That's the last person you want to have reach their demise. So anyway, he says, the Indians were crowding us now and our horses were getting tired from the pace as we began looking for a place to make a stand. At last, Mr. Foster called, we had better stand them off right here, dismount, get in a circle, and keep your horses between you and the Indians. Well, the Indians rode around us in a circle, then started closing in. We were all pretty scared, especially when the shooting started. Now, keep in mind, he's just a young boy at this time. Yeah, and this is 18... What, 87? Something like that. I thought you said 70... Something. 1878. So it was basically two years after the Custer battlefield. Right, yeah. Okay. He said, we saw an occasional puff of smoke burst among the circling Indians, so we knew they had a few guns, but most of them just had their bows and arrows. Uh-huh. Now, bravest of all the Indian warriors was Buffalo Horn. He was a good-looking Indian, and he didn't seem to be very old. He rode so close we could hear him cuss and swear at us. Some of the men said he had learned to swear while he was a scout against the Nez Perce the year before. So he was swearing in English? I guess. Hmm, we better not well, do that any further. They understood him, okay. and he says, quote, believe me, he could swear. He dared us to come out and fight man-to-man. We were riled up by the cussing we were getting, but we couldn't help admiring his nerve and bravery. Yeah. Finally, Mr. Foster shouted, I'll give $250 in gold to anyone who can bring down that interesting guy. You're That's not, the exact no, word. For some reason, the verbiage has changed there. <laughs> this is a family show, Zeb. I see. The next time Buffalo Horn swerved in, he was thumbing his nose at us and swearing. Quite a few shots were taken at him, but all were quite widely missed. Then he goes on. Somehow I got to noticing the cowboy with the Sharps rifle. Okay, sharps, they used the sharps for a big gun. Big gun. Yeah. He was monkeying with the sights of his gun. The next time the chief split off from the circle, he really rode in close. This man with the sharps fired, and he says, I saw a puff of dust burst under the belly of Buffalo Horn's horse. Now, the cowboy went back to playing around with the sights on this gun as the Indian rode fast for the circle. So here we go. Again, Buffalo Horn swooped in, and again, our man missed, but he made just a little slight adjustment with his gun sight then and was ready for the Bannock Chief when he charged us again. I watched the man with the rifle draw a careful aim. At the crack of his gun, Chief Buffalo Horn fell from his horse. 
Almost at once, a couple of Indians' warriors charged in full speed, grabbed Buffalo Horn's body by the belt, and carried him off. Really? He continues, soon after this, the yelling died down, and the Indians left. We cautiously returned to the ranch, where we had left 300 head of cattle corralled. When we got there, all the cattle were dead, shot by arrows and bullets. Wow. It was a terrible sight for a cowman to see. So he continues, a year or two later, another rider and I discovered a cave not far from the spot where we had taken our stand against Buffalo Horn. He says, we dismounted and looked around. Just inside the entrance lay the remains of an Indian. He says, I would guess at least three bushels of loose beads were poured over the Indian's remains. I am positive this was the grave of Buffalo Horn, mm. and I believe that the shot that brought down the chief has something to do with ending the Paiute Bannock War. And he says, even even after Buffalo Horn was killed, the fear of the Indians was still uh, around the country. And uh, uh, he goes on, he says, one night we were bedding down in a fairly safe place, so we thought, and with the bridle reins fastened to our hands, they actually slept, slept next to the horse with the bridle around their reins around their hands, in case the the horse got startled. And he says, after a while, one of the boys, one of the cowboys, jumped up and said, boys, I hear Indian horses. Listen. And none of the rest of us heard anything. We decided, well, we'll move. So they saddled up and left, went to another place, went to sleep. And uh, the next morning, uh, one of the guys says, well, what did you hear? He said, well, I heard a drumming sound, just like the sound of an Indian pony galloping. Well, one of the cowboys said, well, he said, that was me drumming my fingers on the saddle horn of my saddle. Oh, my goodness <laughs> so sakes. It was not Indian. But he said, however, the next day, having put in a safe night and returning to the flats to ride, some of our cowboys uh, cut a fresh trail, and they found a raiding party of Indians that had gone right through where they had been sleeping. No kidding. Before they moved. Wow. So... Anyway, that's you know. But back to Buffalo Horn, uh, being a uh, top-notch chief and having the rest of the Indians follow him, didn't they question the uh, the uh, insanity of riding close to where they're getting shot at? Well, you know, with the Indians, generally speaking, it was almost more honorable to, to tempt everybody to do count uh, count coup. Yeah, which is where. Well, how close did they go? Well. For, when they're battling other Indians, they could get close enough that if they would just touch them with their... Uh, the acoustic. Yeah, their acoustic. That's where the term or, acoustics came up. <laughs> no, it isn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> if they could just touch, that was almost more uh, honorable than yeah. actually killing yeah. the enemy. And so, uh, quite honestly, these Indian chiefs and the leaders, they would do some very brave things, if not, maybe not very smart you call it brave uh, uh, you know and then on the other side the, the ranchers and the cowboys and the cavalry in many instances they weren't the best of shots either no but this guy with the sharps rifle uh i'm pretty sure didn't they use that sharps rifle a lot for killing buffalo i think so when yeah. they'd go out yeah. to, to hunt buffalo yeah. so it was better than uh, probably the best gun they had at the at that the time. And the hawken wasn't it uh, that was the other sure. one. Yeah, Hawken. There was and a Henry. Sharps, yeah. Yeah, Sharp. Yeah. So, anyway, that was a battle that took right. You know, one of your listeners said we she'd like to hear stories from right around this area. Absolutely. And that's one that did take place not very far from where we're at. Zeb, well, right we got to go up there and find the... Do you know where it is exactly? No, I don't. Where the, where the battle... The battle was. took place. You know, I don't exactly. I could... Uh, It'd be kind of fun to go there and just to see be. the landscape yeah. and and what what was taking place over yeah. there. And and you could play uh, Chief. Uh, what was his Buffalo name? Buffalo Horn. Buffalo Horn. And you and, would shoot at me. Yeah, kind of. 
shot. <laughs> I don't know how good of a shot you are, Zeb. But, Not uh, very. Uh, Believe me, you can count your coup. <laughs> I got to run. I know you do. All right, buddy. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.